You're listening to the 515 Podcast, led by Pastor John Wayne McMahon with Kingwood United Methodist Church in Kingwood, Texas. Thanks for downloading. Hi, welcome to episode 64. Uh, This is the 515 Podcast. Uh, I'm your uh, host, Jason Priestmeyer, with our uh, resident expert, uh, the esteemed Reverend John Wayne McMahon. (laughs) Wow! What I just an made intro. you esteemed. What an intro! How are you doing? And you can't say esteemed because I've already used that. I'm starving. I'm <laughs> Me very too. hungry. This is what starving looks. <laughs> starving podcast yeah. looks like. <laughs> Feeling ravenous is yes. what I was going to say. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I'm I'm right there with you. Um, we are recording this as uh, usually on this Tuesday night. It's uh, not currently 5:15. We kind of swayed uh, straight from that, but that's okay. We're on. John Wayne has a baby time. That's exactly right. <laughs> it is 5:15. Um, it's whenever we can get it. Specific time, yeah. <laughs> when we record this, um, so John, how are you? Oh, you already said that. I already said that. I'm okay, hungry. let me scratch so that moving. off the list. I'm hungry, keep moving. <laughs> I'm I'm holding a dangling a, a barbecue uh, rib on a stick. <laughs> Don't say barbecue. <laughs> um, so let's talk about the parable of the ribs. I'm sorry. The no. What is this the parable um, this week? The I sword. forget. I can. All I can think about is brisket right now. Mm. Mm. Let's, this is a. <laughs> this is a. Oh no, we're going to a dangerous place if we start talking in barbecue. Okay, focus. Okay. Yes, sir. Parable of the soils. There is food in this parable. I remember that, but it's just not really. Seeds. Yeah, it's just seeds. Potential. There's crop. Whatever that There's means. Crops. A uh, hundredfold. That didn't make me hungry but it's okay so yeah so let's talk uh parable of soils um the next uh two weeks we're looking at if you're with us sunday i gave a little context i'll jump into to that right now um because we're spending two weeks in matthew 13 we're covering two of the parables that are right there in this discourse in matthew uh many of you know that that i really love to study the context of of the scripture i'd like to see yes. the original what the original author is trying to say to the original audience and so i think that that can share a lot with us about what we're studying and so we really like to start with a big wide view and then narrow in and so matthew um we've taught on matthew several times matthew chapter one when we were doing the genealogy i gave a lot oh, of background yeah. with mm-hmm. that um and what we see here we're now in the middle of of matthew is that throughout the gospel Matthew, there's five discourses. There's five blocks of teachings, okay? And so it's not that Jesus only taught five times publicly. It's not that he uh, just waited and grouped everything together. But Matthew, um, he did some of that together. Like when he taught, he probably taught for a while Mm -hmm. and taught on several things. But Matthew is organizing these in these five blocks of teachings. And Matthew chapter 13 is the central uh, the third discourse, so it's the central one of the five, and it's the first section of parables, and it's a ton of parables. Also, when we're reading through Matthew, we're going to see this huge transition where uh, at least four times, if not more, it is explicit that Jesus is teaching in the synagogues and publicly and going from city to city. Uh, he's teaching in all the places in Galilee. That takes place in chapter 4, 17, 4, 23, 9, 35, 11, 1. All, all throughout there, we see Jesus teaching and preaching, but he is continually being rejected uh, from the synagogues. It is slowly realizing that the um, what's happening is from the very beginning, there's a 
little bit of resistance, but as the 12 chapters go, there's growing resistance that's coming from the Pharisees and the scribes and the religious people and all of those that are around Jesus. And so in Matthew chapter 13, there's really this transition as Matthew starts to kind of focus in on what's going on. He begins to speak in parables. He begins to talk about uh, his movement towards the cross or Mm -hmm. towards Jerusalem. He begins to uh, really hint on the the crucifixion and the fact that he's going to lay himself down and give him give himself up to the authorities that those kind of things start to ramp up a little bit and so that's kind of the context of of what we see and what's going on uh, right here also a piece of framing that i didn't give the other day matthew chapter 13 right before 13 starts is this this part where um jesus kind of denounced his family okay and so uh there's this part where uh someone comes up to jesus while jesus was still talking to the crowd his mother and brothers stood aside outside wanting to speak to him someone told him your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you he replied to them who's my mother who's my brothers pointing to his disciples he said you here are my mother and brothers for whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother really interesting text that's going on Hmm. And then at the very end of chapter 13, there's this text about Jesus, a prophet with no honor, that a prophet is not without honor except in his own town and in his own home, saying he's he's kind of rejected from his household or rejected from uh, his town and run, run out. It's framed intentionally to kind of cast judgment on those that are actually rejecting Jesus. This is not to say that Mary, mother of Jesus, has fully rejected him. We know that Jesus and James have some trouble in, a, in another one of the synoptic gospels. James says, tells Jesus, why don't you just go somewhere else and, and do your miracles? You know, like, and uh, which is incredible because James ends up being a big leader of the Christian movement. Uh, we see in Acts and the Jerusalem Council and all of that stuff going on. But anyways, the point is Matthew 13 is framed with this kind of judgment of those who reject Jesus. And in the middle of that framing are these parables where Jesus speaks directly towards uh, those that cannot understand or are not hearing versus those that are hearing yeah. and those that, that, that understand what's going on. That's cool. So there's kind of some overview yeah. context of what's going on. Well, you definitely um, plugged this podcast heavily on Sunday, which was I'm really excited about. I know that there was way so much, way much more to the story than we could possibly yeah, yeah, yeah. fit into yeah, you know so. one sermon. Uh, or, or even if you'd done half of it at 940 and half at 11, I think you still would have had uh, another half to go. So Yeah, we had a lot going on in church. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I'm, I mean, I'm just really excited for this episode that we get to kind of go deeper in there. So uh, let's let's talk just to recap the parable of the, you called it the sower the other day, but it's also referred to here as yeah, sower, soil. soil. So parable sense. of the sower is probably the best thing to call it because it's a focus on God. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... Anyways. <laughs> yeah, not the dirt itself. Not that I'm going to lose sleep over that, but some scholars are like, we should quit calling it the parable of the soils, whatever. Um, we'll, just, we'll just declare it right here on this podcast, and it will become, yeah. as they say, gospel. Yeah. yeah no? Sure. Maybe not? Yeah, because right. we're that authoritative. I'm esteemed, so right? Resident, you are esteemed. Resident it's uh, on expert is what you said. Yeah, <laughs> That's right. So let me uh, let me just give a little overview. So there's, there's different things going on. First, uh, remember the first parable he kind of launches into. Definitely first parable that's in Mark's gospel. We 
we also see this in Luke, so it's in all three of the synoptics. Um, and uh, this parable is about the seeds. It should be familiar if you spend any time in church. It's probably one that you've heard before. But uh, so there's four different kinds of soil that seeds are tossed into. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things I pointed out Sunday is this is actually really terrible farming, right? So yeah, right. So the parable uh, again is supposed to use what is familiar to teach unfamiliar concepts, and so it's kind of the way that Jesus is using those. He's using familiar because there's farmers, there's people that understand agriculture that are there. However, when he begins to tell the story, the farmer is just throwing seed everywhere without ever tilling any of the dirt, <laughs> like without yeah. removing thorns, and he's just throwing it on rocky ground. It just looks ridiculous, and so the, the ancient hearers would go, what is going on here? Yeah. Uh, which is interesting. There's something we could talk about, about the way that the, the seed goes out unbiased, mm. uh, is not judging on the soils and which is going to, and if the seed is the word of God, or, or if the sower is God, then there's some really interesting things to talk about what it means for God's uh, word and grace and message and the kingdom of God to go out doesn't matter how it's received, but it's going. Yeah. And so that's a really cool part. But anyways, cool. so four different soils. One, uh, we'll, well, we can walk through those a little bit. Um, so the four soils, one along the path and the birds take it up. So it doesn't really kind of, it kind of doesn't even land in the soil. It, it lands along the path. Uh, so right outside of the pasture, I guess. And yeah. then the birds snatch that up before the seeds ever begin to grow mm-hmm. anything. Later on, when the disciples ask him, what does this mean? Jesus explains that they hear but don't understand. And then the evil one snatches it away. So that's one soil. The second one is the rocky places so there's not much soil here because we got rocks and stuff if you've ever done any gardening you know that a bunch of rocks or gravel is not great to grow stuff in right mm-hmm. and so uh, it it lands and there's not much soil there so a seed opens and springs up quickly uh, but when the sun comes up it scorches and the plants die they ask Jesus what does this mean he responds they hear the word at once they receive it with joy but there's still no root and when trouble and persecution comes the seed falls away mm. the third Third one is among the thorns, so there's probably a little bit more soil, but now there's something on top that's going to kind of take away the life of the plant. Um, and so they ask Jesus, what does this mean? He says, would they hear the word, maybe even understand the word, but worries of this life and deceitfulness of wealth choke out the word, and so that the plant dies now from the thorns. And then finally, the good soil. They hear the word, understand the word, and the work of the word produces crops. The approach that I took on Sunday, there's many different ways you can approach this, is it's hard for me to read this story and not think about the seasons of my heart Mm. when these different soils are probably most prevalent. And so there's been different times, and really there's sometimes different days of the week (laughs) when I resemble a different soil, you know? And so um, the challenge, what we'll, we'll talk about as we keep going as well is is what's the state, what's the preparedness of our soil? Because if the given in the story is that the word of God or the kingdom, the message of the kingdom of God will go out no matter what. Yeah, God's and, still throwing those seeds yeah, regardless. And, and of the only variable is dirt, the right? preparedness of our own soil. Yeah. Uh, then what do we do with that? How do we prepare the soil? How do we how do we receive what God's pouring into our lives and, and all of that? Yeah. So there's a there's a pretty pretty basic overview. Very good. Um so refresh my memory uh yeah. what 
you because you said a couple times I, we're, I can't talk about that now <laughs> we don't have time for that so yeah, let's dude. let's dive in because that's uh, to me that's really the point if this is one of your first episodes of the 515 podcast I think that this is one of the great things where we can bring value to that is that we can not only get to stuff that you couldn't get to or maybe you had to cut for time or whatever the yeah. purpose is but even more so we can spend a lot more time and just kind of um, you know pick at it and and Pick these seeds, yeah. pick these crops as we go. You know, so what did you have to leave out? Yeah, so I'll press into as far as my studies got me to. Okay, I, I'll, I'll try not to overcommit to what I what I've studied and what I've known. Yeah, that's but, fair. But um, so what's happening here? Uh, again, first parable that's taking place. Jesus is is since it's kind of at least in the chronology of Matthew. And the chronology of Mark, it sounds like this is one of the first times that publicly he's used this parable and the disciples are going, why, why are we talking like this? Like, yeah. what does this mean? Or at least this is the way that the author records it. So I'm going to pick up in chapter 13, verse 10. The disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? And he replied, because the knowledge of secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken away from them. That sentiment is used a couple different places with Jesus. It's later on in, in Matthew, like mm-hmm. 20 something, 25, I think. Um, we've talked about... Uh, the uh, parable of the tenants, uh, or the parable of the talents, not the tenants, talents. the par- parable of the talents. And uh, for the one who sows, for the one who invests, the one who uh, takes what God gives them, he says, for those who have a little, they'll be given more. Mm-hmm. You know, who's mm-hmm. been trusted with some will be given greater. Same kind of sentiment. Really interesting that Jesus uses those words. So pick it up again in verse 13. This is why I speak to them in parables. And now he's about to quote from Isaiah. Though seeing they do not see, though hearing they do not hear or understand, in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For those people's heart has come callous. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them. End quote from Isaiah. And mm. So that's right there in the heart of Matthew. Now the, the question would be is why, why, does, uh, why is this quote coming from Isaiah chapter 6? If you're familiar with Isaiah at all, that's probably, that. I mean, that is the calling of Isaiah. And so uh, Isaiah is being told to go to the people and declare this message so that they might hear it. And so it's, I think, I think there's some translation breakdown a little bit about how we, at least how the NIV is reading this. Mm-hmm. And I don't have anything else in front of me, but um, it sounds like on the surface that God is telling Isaiah to go and speak in code. And if they hear, they hear. And if they yeah. don't, they don't. Right. And, and I don't think that's really what the Hebrew is saying and what God's message to Isaiah is in the calling. He's actually see, telling them to speak really hard truths. Hmm. And what he's saying is almost, almost sarcastically in Isaiah chapter six, it seems that some are going to understand it and some are going to reject you and some are going to hear it. Yeah. And really what we know from the story of the prophets and Isaiah is that Actually, they all reject it, or most of them mm. reject this message mm-hmm. until um, until both of kingdoms of Israel are completely in exile. And so, 
And that's the message that it's interesting that Jesus now brings in to the middle of this uh, teaching on why parables exist. And so essentially, it's almost like he's telling disciples, the disciples, that some are going to reject their teaching. Mm-hmm. It's important for Jesus to speak truth, but also for them to speak truth. Remember that um, a couple of times I've hinted at the fact that even the fact that Jesus is speaking parabolically in itself is a judgment of Israel. Hmm because they've already rejected him. And so some of that stuff is going on. Um, and so that's that's the piece that we kind of left out here. Let me, let me read the last part. Okay. But blessed are your eyes because they see, speaking of the disciples now, and your ears because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people belong, uh, long to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. And mm. so um, there's a lot going on i probably have to do some more study about that but i really what i think on the surface is jesus is essentially uh a pointing to what the prophets have been speaking to and the reconciliation and the message that god had used to the prophets is now being fulfilled in front of them in jesus and the fact that the disciples are close enough to begin to understand that they're yeah. they're actually seeing what the prophets have been looking for and they're talking about witnesses yeah. directly to yeah it. and so that's a pretty cool uh message that that he sends right there so that's that's a big part that we had to leave out yeah. to try and focus on the parable and uh, we had to skip over a little bit about G- why Jesus is, is using that and what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, so why at this point, and I think we've even kind of touched on it in the past few weeks, but why is Jesus starting to talk in parables or, or teach his his message using this technique? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good question because uh, you're kind of like... You know what's what's the deal here? Why, why is this happening? Yeah, it seems so, like if you're short on time, which he he yeah. seems to know that he is. Yeah, <laughs> that you would just be like, okay, listen, write this down. This is specifically, but he's not. That's not the way he takes it. He he goes about it. Yeah. So I think um, I think one we just talked about kind of the judgment that's going on. The second thing that I that I think about with this is that um, that Jesus is is going to start to kind of guard his language a little bit. And mm, so, well, okay. actually, let me back up. I'll get to that point of saying that was okay. a little more complicated. All right, so what, what do parables do for us? Well, parables are a message that we can carry with us. We talked about this over the last several weeks, yeah. right? And so these parables actually are a great benefit uh, to to the Jewish listeners, to the disciples. They can recall these messages. They're they're easier for them to understand. These would be the little Facebook posts that they can remember and like share on their wall and send to everybody. That's friends. exactly right. That's exactly right. And and just I mean just remember like and and I believe that it's it's symbolic. Like Jesus is using these stories that can apply to many different situations. And so I think that's really impactful. And so these parables have a great benefit. I don't think they're just to be seen as a negative of what's going on. Um, And so I think a lot of that is kind of like this judgment and what's going on. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think in the next question, we'll be able to get to the the other point that I was, that I'm leaving out on purpose. So, um, you know, it seems seems a little unfair that Jesus would kind of not, like I said earlier, just come out and say it. But, you know, he's really being, he's guarding it. He's being kind of uh, beating, not beating around the bush, but just kind of really, you know, working around the central topic. And I get that a lot of that is because it's relatable. It's it's something that they can kind of just grab onto. So why, but is there another reason or is there some specific reason why he didn't just come out and say 
dot, 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 dot. This is what I want you to know. Yeah, sometimes we get really frustrated. Like, the, we're actually studying some of the easier parables to understand, particularly the oh, ones great. that Jesus, like, is teaching. Uh-huh. He's like, here's what it means, right? Like, yeah, so, <laughs> so like, that's a good part. Like, and so we get that in the next two weeks, we actually get ones that Jesus describes. But obviously not all the parables of that one. When we did the parable of the talents a few weeks ago, that was a little bit more difficult. And so you, you got to wonder, why not just speak plainly? Well, one, I would I would, I would wonder, I'd ponder, mm-hmm. would, would it matter? For those that are yeah, already rejecting Jesus, mm-hmm. would they uh, like think about somebody like Saul of Tarsus? I mean, like he literally is holding the coats as they stone Stephen in, in the beginning there mm-hmm. of Acts, the first martyr that we see of the Christian church. And so, like, and and the reason is is because they have no mind, like they have no framework to see God coming in flesh mm, as Jesus. That's a good point. And and going to the cross and dying. Like they have this they have a different framework they're expecting, a Davidic Messiah. And this this understanding of Messiah when it's tied to David, it's tied to political upheaval and and it's just completely different. And so they they just have no framework for what's going on. So my first point to this, it would be would it matter? I don't I don't know. Like I don't know if Jesus yeah, was really. speaking very plainly, he probably would just <laughs> get killed sooner right uh and so that's important the other thing and then i'm going to draw in a point from from a scholar named michael heiser i've been reading a little bit uh, recently and this doesn't apply directly to parables but what he's talking about is kind of like the mosaic of scripture like when you when we are standing on the other side of the cross and the resurrection we look back and go how do these guys not see this yeah but really when you if you try to if you try to separate that that emotion of us being on this side of it, you actually read, it, it's a mosaic that's really hard to piece together. Mm-hmm. And the Old Testament is pointing towards Jesus and revealing revealing this, this redemption story, at least, I think. Um, but it's a mosaic that's really pieced together in different ways. It's really hard oh, yeah. to see it until it happens. And Paul talks about this in Romans and Corinthians, this mystery that we only understand now, having been on this side of it. And so this quote from Michael Heiser, by God's design, the scripture presents the Messiah in terms of a mosaic profile that can only be discerned after the pieces are assembled. Paul tells us why in 1 Corinthians 2, 6-8. If the plan of God for the Messiah's mission had been clear, the powers of darkness would never have killed Jesus. They would have known that his death and resurrection mm. were the key to reclaiming the nations forever. Mm. So it's almost like he's in, he's kind of covert. Yeah. And that's why in different places, like, don't tell anybody what you saw today. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, like there's these there ways go. of him slowly revealing what's mm-hmm. happening and what's going on. Um, and I don't think it's in a deception way I think that he's actually doing it with a clear heart like just like knows exactly how things are playing out but he's also uh, walking into this place of victory in a way uh, that is strategic yeah I, that's the best way I, I would put that yeah does that make sense yeah I like that so I just I found uh, another piece of scripture that yeah. just really cracks me up where he goes do you not understand this parable yeah because yeah, yeah. Like, is that Mark? Is that Mark? It's Mark 4, yeah. Yeah, yeah Mark. Because like, then how are you going to show all the you? other ones? Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. But so... Remember when I said this is one of the easier ones? That's yeah. He's just like, come on, guys. guys. If you don't get this one, Okay, start over. He's like, goes yeah. up to the whiteboard and races yeah. it. Yeah. It's like, let me just connect the dots for yeah. you. Yeah, here's the soil. <laughs> yeah. So why is it that some people understand what's going on? You know, some of them people do get it. 
you know yeah. I, I, I don't know if he's talking to all 12 of the yeah. disciples when he's like you dummies how come you're not getting this yeah yeah but some people do and but some people still don't so yeah. is that kind of just what you alluded to or, or no, you, no, no. I, th- I think or? I think uh, think of uh, like press into this just a little bit more think about uh, think about where you are in your walk with the Lord right now and some of the things okay. that you understand now that you didn't Ooh, understand yeah. very early on in the walk okay. right mm-hmm. or if you've ever been in a situation where people around you seem to be taking away a very different significance than what you do mm. like it could be a, a, a very simple wordly example would be if I went if I went with you say say um uh, ready, Ready Player One. I saw that movie. I was about to rent it the mm. other day. That movie has incredible significance to you, right? Yes. There's different pieces that that you resonate with, that mm. you understand, that you walk through. That I'm I'm gonna miss some of the uh, illusions. I'm gonna get some of them, but I'm gonna miss some of them. I understand what you're saying. You know what I'm saying? And so like, <laughs> yes. so like, you're, th- it's just gonna be something. Now, have had I walked through some mm. of the experiences, and I've gotten to know some of the illusions and things like that, then I would I would be closer to where you're at. And so that's kind of a worldly example but but think about it in the christian walk like even now like i'm I'm pressing into places in scripture where i'm just like my mind is like before when i pulled up here at your house i was listening to the end of this podcast and this thing that i've been reading and i'm just like my mind is being blown by these these parts of scripture that i never thought about and i never pressed in and i'm starting to like feel God's presence in my life in a brand new different way. Yeah. And I think that's that's much different than what's going on. So anyways, if I'm if I encounter a situation, I've got other people around me because of what God's doing in my my walk in my life, I may receive that in a much different way. And so to some people it may be very closed off and be very revealed. If you only press that example even further, think about if if I'm standing with a non-believer mm-hmm. and something happens in front of us like a miracle. Yeah. How am I going to see it through my framework? How am I going to be able to, how am I going to break this down? And how are they going to break it down? Hmm. If they have, if they're coming from a place of God does not exist. Yeah. Uh, and miracles can't happen, they're right? Because they're, they're outside of the scientific For sure. method. And yeah. so uh, you can't repeat what just happened. So therefore, I didn't actually see the way it happened would be an example of how they would do it. Sure. That was an illusion or something else would be able to explain that, blah, blah, huh. blah. And I would say, no, no, like that that car should have hit that tree and somehow it didn't. You know, like yeah. there would be these different, or that person who hasn't walked since birth is now walking, that's a miracle. Like I would have a different framework. And so for those that reject Jesus and reject this message that he has, they're closed off from the message that he's delivering to mm-hmm. them. They cannot see it. They can't understand it, can't receive it. Think of, uh, one more example. Think about when you're so angry about something that you can't actually see the truth that's in front of you. Yeah. Like when you're really self-conscious about something, have you ever been in a fight with somebody Mm -hmm. and like you're just mad because they were a jerk, but you can't see the underlying truth of what was wrong in the situation in the first place. Yeah. There's a lot of psychology and things that are at play here. Yeah, I get it. Does that make sense? I love all those. Yes, exactly. Cool. So I think that leads us back into the parable of soil. And okay. and what I want to talk about for the last couple of minutes is what, what is that preparedness of the soil? What does that look like for us? And, and the press that I had this past week in this sermon is, is this is, and you'll hear me talk about this all the time, but this journey of holiness, the second half of the gospel, and here's the kicker, when the Methodist church is at its best, when the Wesleyan movement is proclaiming Mm -hmm. what God has put on our hearts, 
and inspired us to be, we are proclaiming that salvation is not the climax, but it is the inception of the Christian journey. Hmm. It is not the culmination, but it's the very beginning. Yeah. And it's the beginning of this journey where God is continually pouring into us and planting seeds and like bringing the kingdom of God into our hearts and changing our perspectives and recreating us into the image that we were created to be. And that's a journey that we go on. That's that process of holiness, that inheritance as sons and daughters, that inheritance is a very real thing where we become like the type ones, Adam and Eve, where we become like the images of God that we were created to be. And so when we see salvation as an arrival point, then we miss all of the amazing power that's in the gospel. So when I say preparedness of the soil, the pressure I would put to some of our, and let me, I'm not thinking of any person in our church when I say this, right. so don't, don't hear it this way, right. but I'm thinking of the nominal Christian right now mm -hmm. who is settling for just lukewarm. Yeah. That is just settling with doing a devotional here and there, maybe a little bit of prayer time, maybe some church time. I go to church here. Um, those kind of things, but I never actually consider some of the places in my heart that God desires to change mm -hmm. and some of those places in my heart that, that he really just wants me to ask for more in and those those places in my marriage or in these relationships that, that I know they're not where they could be. Mm -hmm. And I but I but I'm too prideful or I'm too afraid of the pain that would come from me allowing God to work in those situations. So the preparedness of the soil is to ask really, really Really deep questions about what's the state of my soul yeah like where am I right now and what am I hiding from God mm. like when we have company that's coming over and we sweep everything under the rug and <laughs> shove it in the closet we yeah. do that with our faith yeah like God can't see that hidden closet that you're shoving everything in mm -hmm. you know like we just forget about that but God wants to partner with us to be able to clean out that closet and and to to clean up some of that stuff that's in our life. And so the question is is or the the challenge is what places in this journey of holiness are we saying, you know what? I actually and I shared this example uh, about my life. There's a place in my journey where I'm realizing that I have this I have this great propensity to trust God to move mountains and do incredible things. Mm -hmm. Um in most of parts of my life but when it comes to like my nuclear family like or when it comes to my greater family like i just expect that to always just be a pile of garbage yeah and I don't, listen don't don't hear me as saying i've got like this terrible home and things that i come from um but there's just a lot of mess there and and i just i i feel like i've got to the point where i just cope with it and i and and what's underlying in that just coping is that i haven't actually prayed for anybody like mm -hmm. really intentionally because what's underlying underneath that is the fact that maybe I don't actually trust God that he can rebuild and, mm. and put things back together in that in that place in my life. And so I just, those are the things, that's that's sort of preparedness of the soil. That's that's asking those questions of, of who I am and what's going on. I likened it to David. David, those Psalms of complaint, he, he is not whining. Like he's, his life is on the line in some of them. He pours out a complaint. God, where are you? Like how long... Uh, 
do I have to go through this? Uh, no one in my life cares about my safety right now. But in those very same places, when he asks those tough questions, he then turns to begin to preach to himself the truth. God, mm-hmm. you're my refuge. Yeah. You are the one who has called me and you have equipped me and you've brought me to this place. And so that's the preparedness journey that we go on. Does, does that make sense? Yeah, I like when you say how you you sweeped all that and put, put it in the closet so God doesn't see it. But isn't it really that we're just trying to hide it from ourselves? Yeah, you I know? mean, pretty much. I it's mean, like, if I don't, if I can't see it, then I don't have to address it. Yeah. And then I don't have to go ask God about it or, de- or you know, reconcile it. <laughs> Genesis 3 is so brilliant. Like, th- what, what do they do? What do they do when they, when they get caught? Oh, yeah, they, they just hide. They hide. They go hide and like, oh. From Yahweh, the creator. Yes. Behind and, a tree, and, and we do that, but but really, I think you're honest, and they're they're hiding from themselves. Yes, they're hiding from shame because mm-hmm. it's a brokenness in the relationship between God and them, and but they're also hiding from themselves. They don't want to face that. What's going on? Yeah, and really, the problem is I, there's a lot of factors here, but one of the things is we don't actually believe there's healing on the other side of it. Yeah, like we hide from ourselves because we don't we don't. We don't think that God can fix it or like we just don't know how it can be better and we just stay where we're at. I think. Yeah. And, and, it's, and some it, of that's lies, right? Some of that's deception. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's painful to even deal with it any longer. So you're rather you'd rather just like, you know what? I just Put don't even want to it. Put in the closet. See it. And it doesn't it. hurt. Yeah. I can just I'm OK with where it is. Yeah. Rather than no, I need to I need to go through some thing. I need to go through the thorns. I need to, you know, I need to yeah. break some eggs to make an omelet, you know. Yeah. 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 Amen. So how do we prepare the soil? Perspective, I think we, well, honesty, Yeah. we ask those tough questions, and then perspective. We remind ourselves of who God is. Mm, okay. We lift our head up off of our circumstances. Yeah. We begin to preach to ourselves in the deepest parts of our souls what we know about God, that he's good, that he's full of grace, that he's a redeemer, that Christ has come to bring us into the family, that he doesn't desire to leave us where we are, though he loves us where we are. Yeah. He loves us how we are. He loves us unconditionally, but he doesn't leave us there. He actually begins to rebuild and transform us in this beautiful way. Mm-hmm. And so those truths begin to pour into my life. And now, now finally, the, the, we, we cannot have this conversation without talking about... I will say, yeah, if you had not written this in our show notes, you just put like, guess what I'm about to talk about? I would have gotten it. You would have known it, yeah. Like, because you've already said Wesleyan. Yeah, yeah. And you've already talked about. I've already started yelling into the microphone. Like I started preaching, you got really getting excited. excited. Yeah. And I know that I'm accountability. Like sweating and shaking yes. right now. It's not from hunger. <laughs> <laughs> A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so you cannot do this alone. Yeah. And and this is where I I just feel so full of what God can do in community because of this journey of small groups, more to life groups mm-hmm. that, that are existing in our church, which are Wesleyan small groups um, and band groups. And we haven't talked a whole lot about band groups. We've talked a lot about yeah, Wesleyan true. small groups. And so our church now, KUMC, has this these launch of these mortal life groups. And uh, a lot of churches have small groups, but mm-hmm. not a lot of churches do transformational groups that are not feeding themselves with curriculum, but are actually asking questions like, what's the state of my soul? Yeah. Like, like, where am I experiencing God this week? And what does it look like for John Wayne to actually live as a child of God and receive that inheritance? So, and like, and, and, ha- and how does that play out? And then to be able to pray with one another, like with each other in a group. And mm-hmm. so you, 
this is that that place that that happens and and the mortal life groups are are built to be uh with both men and women so couples or singles are invited into those groups they're 10 or 12 it is a a place where we encourage one another in love where we pray for one another where some of this work uh really takes place and god is just I mean, I can't. We can go on and on about the testimonies that are coming out of these groups. You know, you've seen it firsthand. Yep, you see it going on. Y'all, are, y'all are hosting one in your house, mm-hmm. and uh, just incredible stuff going on there, right? In fact, uh, Monday nights is when we when we meet. Yeah. So, like, I've got a bunch of those stories, just like yeah, tip of my tongue that I yeah. could be. John, let me tell you about this. Yeah, 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 that's yeah like, right. Yeah, right. Uh, that's but it's just amazing. Time. It's just amazing. Well, and, every week is and amazing. It, yeah, it, there, there are specific journeys we don't want to share with right. details. But what we're seeing is God is is healing people and teaching people how to pray and mm-hmm. teaching people how to expect for more and opening our eyes to the work of God all around us in just these incredible ways. And I think that's because what we're doing is we're preparing the soil in these groups. I think so. You know what I mean? We're we're working through that. The the other phase the next phase in this is band groups and what band groups are are also a wesleyan mode of discipleship which are for those people that have been on this journey a little bit further and so it's for men to meet with men and women to meet with women Mm -hmm. usually about um, no more than five usually it's about three or four people uh, that are meeting together and in these band groups you're also in a band group Mm -hmm. i'm in a band group in these band groups uh it's it's about confessing sin it's about sharing um, those deep parts of our hearts. It's about sharing those things that we don't want to, yeah, so that we can find healing, so that so that God can work in those places. It's about uh, truly, I mean, going to that next step of really praying for other people, like really banding together mm-hmm. and praying for those people, and and asking God to do some incredible breakthroughs. And this is where I think that the richness of the soil is possible is in these band groups. Um, it's just it's just incredible. It's been a lot of fun. You've been in one for how long now? Since January. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and and one of the things that we did like day one, minute one is is uh, we're accountable. We have accountability towards yeah. each other. Yeah. And I think that's just so so. Is this rich. something you ever thought you would do? Never in five <laughs> million years. Because <laughs> I, I can guarantee you, there's some listeners going. Uh-uh. It no, I, I, yeah. I I'm definitely with those listeners. Yeah. I would be like, yeah. this sounds like. You know, yeah. crazy stuff. I don't need that in my life. Yeah. And now I can't imagine not having that every yeah. single, you know, Thursday. We, we get together and, and yeah. we're always like, Friday morning, we're texting each other. You know, we text each other every day, but we're like, is it Thursday yet? You know, when is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We can't wait till we meet back together again. So, yeah, yeah it's been a complete changer, life changer. Again, like it's it's hard to really put into words what what what's happening in this like through this kind of ministry and what this discipleship means, I think it's because this is the way God intended it to be for yeah. us to live mm-hmm. vulnerably with each other. Um, and it's, it's, it's soaked in prayer and we, it's not a program. Like mm-hmm. we're trying to lead and, and do some parts that are intentional, but it's an organic movement. Uh, I think a movement of the Holy spirit, and, and if you're listening to this, I just really encourage you to, to consider what it looks like to be a part of it. We've got, um, I think, at least six groups that are live right now in the Mortal Life groups, mm-hmm. the small groups. We're doing another season in the fall on Wednesday night where we're probably going to have two classes 
that meet with myself or, and one of my leaders, mm-hmm. and uh, they learn to see what this kind of small group looks like, where we we get to not just depend on curriculum, but but talk about yeah. life and and discipleship, and then um, the end game of that in the fall is to have those turn into groups, um, yeah. whether they split and there's a bunch of leaders that come out of there, or they kind of turn into two or three groups and, and mm-hmm. things like that. Um, band groups are something that I'm not promoting. Yeah, I'm just talking about what God's doing with them, and people are coming to me when they just feel ready, like when when that's that's coming up. So I I actually have not put together a band group of my own. It's been people coming like, hey, what do you think? I want to start a band <laughs> group. And so, anyways, if you're hearing any this, idea, like how many there are? Yeah, I think we're at like six or seven now. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. I've been in one with pastors from around the United States uh, getting ready to disband that. Okay. Um, because it's just not as practical right now. Yeah. And we've got I've got a new one okay. that's here with people in our community. Mm-hmm. And so we're about four weeks into that and already just really enjoying that. That's super exciting. Yeah. Good to hear that. All, All right. right. That's, uh, that's plenty. That's we have, a great... We've done it here. I hope that... Uh, <laughs> I hope that parts of this was encouraging or spoke uh, to, to places in, in your walk and where you're at. Always praying for you all. Thank you for listening. Amen. Talk to you next time. All right. Thank you. All right. Bye.